0: Once again, welcome to another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. Marcus Paff and Reggie Rizou here, bringing you some of the more interesting stories of the day. On today's episode, the world's oldest living land animal celebrates a birthday. Just how old is he? Well, we'll tell you. Plus, how much trash would you sift through to locate a lost valuable? We'll tell you what one woman was desperately looking for, and tis the season for Festivus. We'll tell you where to send your grievances, that and the group that bared it all on This Week in History, coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home.
1: Last week, the world's oldest living land animal celebrated its 191st birthday on the island of St. Helena, and it's possible he might be much older. Jonathan the tortoise was at least 50 years old when he was brought to the island in 1882, Having made the trip from Seychelles, that's an archipelago in the Indian Ocean east of Africa. Per the Guinness Record Book, Jonathan is believed to have been born circa 1832 based on the fact that he was fully mature and hence at least 50 years old when he was brought to St. Helena in 1882. Jonathan is the oldest turtle, or Kaloninen – that's a classification that includes tortoises, turtles, and terrapins – in recorded history after taking the title in 2021 from Tui Melilla, another tortoise that lived to be at least 188, born in 1777 and having died in 1965. Jonathan's a Seychelles giant tortoise and has far surpassed his species' average living expectancy of 150 years. He's apparently not showing any signs of slowing down either. Per his longtime vet, Joe Hollins, in spite of losing his sense of smell and being virtually blind from cataracts, his appetite remains keen. He is still being hand-fed once a week with a fortifying helping of fruit and vegetables by a small, dedicated team. This not only supplements his calories, but provides those essential drivers of his metabolism, vitamins, minerals, and trace elements. Jonathan is in good health, and all the indications at present make us hopeful that he'll reach his third century, if indeed he hasn't done so already. End quote. Jonathan has lived at Plantation House, the residence of St. Helena's governor, ever since he arrived on the island 141 years ago. Now, Marcus, stop and think about some of the things that he's been around for. And things he could tell us about if he could talk. The U.S. abolition of slavery came in 1865. Just over a century later, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Jonathan was there for both of those events. (laughs) And not only that, Jonathan has been around... For the beginning of this podcast i mean that's the biggest <laughs> event out there but by the way the year jonathan was estimated to have been born andrew jackson was reelected to the us presidency alongside <laughs> vp martin van buren i mean of course that that, that <laughs> I mean, he
0: should be on the 20, right? (laughs) Not not Jackson. (laughs) He he should. We should be (laughs) consulting him for advice, at least. I mean, they always say, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, Jonathan here has seen history, and certainly he can tell us a little bit more about it. I mean, it, it is pretty darn fascinating to think about all the things this guy's been around for and. Still just doing his thing, eating his fruits and vegetables and enjoying his time at the governor's plantation house there in St. Helena. That's pretty wild, man.
1: If we ever get a $200 bill, I want to see this tortoise on it.
0: <laughs> Celebrate his age. I second that I'm with you. <laughs> well, Reggie, I ask you what in your life is important enough to go digging through 20 tons of trash for Anything? Abs. absolutely nothing. i don't know i don't know i can't think of
1: anything that's worth that
0: (laughs) i tend to feel the same way although i feel like maybe there are some things i'm just not thinking about right now but i don't know
1: knowing some of the things that people throw away i do not want to have to be sifting through that
0: Ooh, yeah you're right and and there are probably some real treasures in those landfills like we talked about in previous episodes but to get there that's an adventure few want to undertake but in new hampshire sanitation workers dove into 20 tons of trash to locate a resident's lost wedding ring go figure (laughs) yeah right dennis cenebaldi he's the wyndham general services director said he received a call about a resident whose wedding band had accidentally gone out with the trash speaking to whdh tv cenebaldi said quote she gave me some particulars at what time her husband threw the trash out what was in the trash bag, what kind of car he was driving, end quote. He decided to review surveillance camera footage, Cenebaldi that is, to try and pinpoint the location of the woman's trash, quote, so I knew where the first scoop went, I knew where exactly on the floor it was, but it's still a lot of stuff to go through, end quote. Cenebaldi saying that to WMUR-TV, clearly a lot of television coverage in the area. Uh, his team ultimately had to dig through 12 feet of trash bags to reach the right bag and the ring was found about two hours after the search began, which I think is actually pretty darn quick when you're talking about going to a dump and having to, to sort through all of this stuff. Uh, fortunately he had the clues. More from Setabaldi, quote, I grabbed the ring, brought it up, cleaned it up for her, called her up. She was heartbroken on Wednesday and more than ecstatic on Friday, end quote. Settobaldi said it was the third time in two years that his team has sifted through trash at the transfer station to find a lost wedding ring. Are you kidding me? This happens frequently? (laughs) He said the last time was almost exactly one year earlier. My God, man. First of all, Hang on to your wedding ring. How's it ending up in the trash of all? I'm, places?
1: I'm starting to think that's being done on purpose at this point. <laughs> right.
0: I mean, <laughs> oops, like, I lost my I, ring, honey. <laughs> I, I understand losing it or it falling off a shelf. Maybe it even falls into a vent. There are some weird things that can happen, but into the trash. And then, okay, so it went out with the trash. How did you realize it later that it was in there and and know to call down there and well, say, Yeah, by the way. My wedding ring is in that trash bag we threw out a few days ago. See,
1: and my wife makes fun of me all the time. Anytime I lose something, I always say, I think I may have thrown it away. I think it's in the trash. And <laughs> she tells me, you always say that. It's never in the trash. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I would call them up. They'd go searching. They'd never find it. And I want to know, what is the value of these rings? Are we talking like a $10,000, $50,000 mm-hmm. ring? Or are we talking one you mm-hmm. bought at the you know local convenience store for 20 bucks, and it's the only thing you could have for a wedding ring? I the mean, local, it,
0: the local it, convenience store,
1: <laughs> but where are you shopping? <laughs> rings are us. I mean,
0: <laughs> oh, man, I want to know. I, it sells yeah.
1: onion rings and wedding rings. It's a great place. <laughs> Your wife must be so proud. <laughs> I did get her ring at a discount. Don't tell her. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry, honey. It's a cubic <laughs> zirconia. <laughs>
1: But I I feel like the fact that this has now happened three times in the past few years, they should put a a, a limit like show us the receipt. The ring has to be worth this much to put in our effort.
0: You know what? I don't disagree. I'm not going down there for something that's worth a hundred bucks. And in all likelihood, it probably was more expensive. It sounds like this lady actually knew who to call to encourage. I'm using air quotes. I know no one can see that, but encourage the folks there to uh, have a look for her because I, don't, I feel like if I'd call my local transfer garbage station, whatever the heck the name of it is, they tell me to take a hike, man. They're not going searching through the trash for what I threw away.
1: No, no, they I think I called. I mentioned this in a different podcast, me losing the iPod and me being fairly certain I threw it away in the trash. I called and they basically said, yeah, we, we, we can't help you there. So <laughs> there, there's obviously a price limit there and then they asked you who still has an ipod okay this was when ipods were in their (laughs) peak so
0: (laughs) well reggie by now you as well as the listeners may have gathered that i'm a fan of seinfeld i know you know that like a lot of people though of course so that's not unusual but this story jumped out at me immediately because of that the tampa bay times is now accepting complaints and grievances in honor of festivus with the intent of printing the funniest complaints. Of course, the fictional holiday has blown up since the Seinfeld episode, The Pole, was released in December of 1997. In addition to the airing of grievances, the holiday also features, The Feats of Strength, everyone knows that, and the Time-Honored Festivus Poll. Of course, this isn't the first time the newspaper has celebrated Festivus, as this is the 8th annual Tampa Bay Times airing of grievances, which is open to anyone around the world who wishes to voice their complaints on any subject. The paper has set up a Google form for anyone with a grievance to air and provided... Some solid examples from previous years, so here's a here's a sampling. Quote, do we really need a TV commercial about ED with men holding curved carrots not pointing in the correct direction? Yeah, I went there because somebody had to. That came to us from Kim McCormick. Another one. Target in Largo remodeled and moved everything down half an aisle just to spite me. <laughs> That's that's your complaint you're, you're irritated that Target moved things over half an aisle. Well, clearly it was
1: to spite them. Why else would they do it?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. There's no other rationale. Uh, quote, Costco took the macadamia nuts out of their premium mix from Janet Polkovsky. I know that's one that you can relate to, Reg.
1: <laughs> <laughs> 100%, <laughs> 100% <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> Such a big macadamia. Nuts guy." <laughs> Oh, and one more quote, why do you include the stumps in my bagged romaine lettuce? I know I need roughage, but I'm not eating romaine stumps and quote from Mark Nelson of Winnipeg, Manitoba, who apparently wrote in to the Tampa Bay Times because he was irritated about his romaine lettuce. <laughs> uh, Reggie, do you have any grievances this year?
1: I think you could fill up a newspaper with my grievances. So yes,
0: yes, I have a lot.
1: You know, you and I have been in meetings because we have been working together for a while. Uh, yep. One of the meetings I was into, you saw me pull out a whole piece of paper with all my grievances with somebody else. So yeah, you know, I have them.
0: I thought Frank Costanza had shown up in the flesh and here it was <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Any grievances? <laughs> well, I'm sure I have plenty as well, but uh, I'd have to go back and, and, and jot those down. So maybe I'll share those on another episode. Yeah. My romaine lettuce. What's with the stumps? Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not a romaine lettuce eater.
1: I like my romaine
0: lettuce, but I, it's I, iceberg I or nothing. Remember.
1: Taking a look at this date in history. I know this one hits close to home for you, Marcus. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, I'm anxious to hear this now.
1: The first U.S. nudist organization met in New York City. You feeling what? that one?
0: <laughs> of course. No, no. no. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to hear more. Go on. What else is What else is to this story?
1: At the time, it was named the American League for Physical Culture, but it's of sensed, course. yeah, I mean, it is. It's physical culture, so yeah, why not? <laughs> It sounds like a great superhero group. The American League for Physical Culture. Sure, um, or,
0: a, or an offbeat band, I suppose. <laughs> there
1: you go. Uh, they have now since changed their name to Sky Farm, though. The meeting what? started... At, well, I'll explain. We'll get to that. Okay. all right. The meeting started at the Michelob Cafe on 28th Street in New York. The first brochure for this organization, which I'm surprised they had a brochure for it, but it wrote, An Invitation to Come into the Sunlight on the cover. And the first organized events consisted of indoor exercising and swimming in a rented gym. Those activities did end up leading to the arrest of the founding members, who were eventually acquitted in 1931. The founders ended up purchasing Sky Farm in New Jersey in 1932 for $3,440. Now that property has about 60 cottages, but back in the 30s and 40s, it began as just tent platforms. In the 1930s, meals were served for a dollar per day, which sounds great. I would go just for that. And they had Absolutely. a pool. Yeah, this pool was kind of interesting too. It was dug by hand in 1933, and the water was fed from a nearby creek. Wow. Would you Would you go swimming in that pool? Or
0: I, I think I would. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not opposed to that. I mean, I gotta believe, especially in the 1930s, there wasn't nearly as much pollution and and whatnot. So. A creek, assuming we know the source, is probably pretty clean water to go lounging around in. Yeah, I'd take that up.
1: What about helping dig it? Digging it by hand, would you help with that?
0: Well, that sounds, yeah, that sounds like another uh, venture altogether. That might be one of my grievances for the year uh, if I was celebrating Festivus back in whatever, 1932. But I, I suppose if you had a lot of people that were out there doing it all at once... Maybe you can get through it in a reasonable amount of time. That's cool. it's pretty crazy to think. And how deep was the pool? Are, That's I, I, I didn't
1: it? I didn't see the depth of the pool. Uh, but I'm wondering, it's a nudist colony. Do you do all that work with or
0: without clothes? Well, I'm going to guess without, and when you talked I don't about know. The, the gymnasium for exercising, I, yeah, yeah those are some visuals.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I trust other people, you know, shoveling and throwing dirt around completely naked. I'll, I'll, I'll probably at least wear underwear or something. I don't know.
0: Hey, if it's, if it's your thing and you, you get down <laughs> on it, I'm all for it. People go, go, go do it. But yeah, probably yeah. wouldn't be the league that I'd be joining there. The American I, league for physical culture
1: i'm sure they at least wore boots nothing else but at least boots you know so your feet don't get stuck in the mud
0: yeah you got you don't want calluses and dirt and debris down there come on
1: well if you want answers to these questions i guess marcus the organization is still around and located at sky farm
0: well we're gonna have to make a trip out i suppose perhaps a live edition of the show coming up at some point
1: separate trips i think we go separately i don't think we need to go together
0: i think that's fair (laughs) yep
1: well, that'll wrap up another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. You can always reach us by using our email address, coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. That's coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. We also have the email for easy reference in the show notes as well. I'm Reggie Rizu with Marcus Path. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home.